it's good to be here. I'm glad to see all you smiling faces and those at home. Glad you logged in and joined us. You know, every week we have at least four or five that join us from home. And that doesn't include those that go back and watch it. I'm talking live. So, the title of today's message is Effective Witnessing. Effective Witnessing. You know, a minister was walking down the street when he came upon a group of about a dozen boys, and all of them between 12 and, and you know, 10 and 12 years old. And the group had been surrounding this dog. And concerned that the boys were hurting the dog, he went over and he asked, what are you doing with that dog? And one of the boys replied, well, this dog is just an old neighborhood stray, and we all want him, but only one of us can take him home. So we decided that whichever one of us can tell the biggest lie, we'll get to keep the dog. Well, of course, the, the pastor was taken aback, and he said, you boys shouldn't be having a contest telling lies. And then he launched into a 10-minute sermon against lying, beginning, don't you boys know it's a sin to lie? And ending with, why, when I was your age, I never told a lie. There was dead silence for about a minute. And just as the pastor was beginning to think that maybe he'd gotten through to them, the smallest of the boys gave a deep sigh and said, All right, give him the dog. <laughs> All right, we are back in the Gospel of John. It was good to have Brother Frank with us last week. Good message, um, so, but we're going to pick up where we left off in John chapter 7, and we're going to start at verse 1. Now, John was written uh, around the same time as the three epistles in the book of Revelation, and the gospel of John was written after Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They, they had been written, and they were already circulating among the churches, and they wanted something a little bit more deep, and so John wrote the spiritual gospel. And after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world." For even his brothers did not believe in him. And then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to this feast. I am not yet going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. And when he said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said, He is good. Others said, No, on the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews, or favorably of him for fear of the Jews. Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? 
And Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true. And no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? And the people answered and said, You have a demon who is seeking to kill you. And Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work, and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you, you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. And if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Let's pray. Father, as we come to this text, there's a lot going on here, Lord, but we ask that you would help us to focus in, to take away from it what we need to apply to our lives today. Lord, I pray that as I speak, that it would be your words that I would be able to speak clearly your word. And Lord, I pray for those that are not here and those that are being called here from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Lord, we, we reach over to that empty spot next to us and we say, Lord, fill it, please. And for we ask it in your name, in Jesus' name, O oh God. Amen. Today's principle. Don't stop witnessing due to ideologies, controversies, and just people. Don't stop witnessing because it's hard. Number one, don't bow down to the ideologies of the age, to the ideas of the age. John 7, 1 says this, After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. And Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on, I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. And after saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. You know, here we find Jesus in Galilee continuing his teaching and his miracles and his ministry and all that's going on. And he wants to stay out of Judea and away from the religious leaders because they were plotting his death. He was a hindrance to their political and religious concerns. He was calling them out for their hypocrisy and their evil ways. And you know what happens today when a pastor speaks about some hypocrisy found in their church or their denomination? Well, they're blackballed. And in some denominations are removed from ministry because they have that authority. Now, we Southern Baptists aren't any better. Don't think we are. When a local leader calls out hypocrisy or something that doesn't line up with the scriptures, they're blackballed and they'll never move up in the denomination. Well, oh, well, why? Because believe it or not, we have an unwritten 11th commandment. And it is thou shalt not speak badly of another Southern Baptist leader. You know what, if you find hypocrisy in this church or you feel that we're not doing something right, 
then you come on and, and speak to me or the deacon and, and we'll address it. And maybe you don't have all the facts. Maybe you're only seeing the outside. Maybe it's something that needs explaining or maybe you're right and there is some hypocrisy that needs to be addressed and that we need to apologize openly and repent before God. And if that be the case, then that will be what we do because we want to be right with God. Back to our text. So what happens while Jesus is doing these things? Well, his brothers, who at this point don't believe in him, come to him and they kind of antagonize him, don't they? They get in his face and they're like, hey, Jesus, if you're doing all this good stuff, why aren't you doing it in a bigger city? You know, like Judea, where the feast is happening. Just come on, you just go do it. Clear out the hospitals, do your work so that everyone can see. His response is really simple. And he says, hey, it's not yet my time. The world, and when he says the world, he means the world's systems and all of its comings and goings doesn't hate them, doesn't hate the brothers. It doesn't hate you. Well, why doesn't the world hate his brothers? Well, because they're a part of it. They're in the world abiding by social norms and they're bowing down to the political climate of the day. And so Jesus just stays where he is because he accuses the world of evil and it isn't his time to be revealed and to go to the cross yet. You know, when we talk about social norms, it used to be normal for people to go to church. And now all of a sudden we're finding after the pandemic, people just aren't, that were there just aren't coming back. Why? Because they were never saved to begin with. It was just something you did. It was a social normity. You went to socialize. You went to make business contacts. Guess what? The church is not a Kiwanis club. It's not a country club. That's not what it's for. It's a hospital for the sinner. That's what it's for. Yes, those things can go on in a church. Not necessarily that they shouldn't. If I know, for example, that that there's a brother in here who knows how to build something and I don't know how to build it, well, I'm going to ask him, how do I build that? And he's going to tell me, right, Bob? <laughs> so, you know, that, that kind of stuff can happen, but if that's your whole focus, then you've missed the point. And so when I look out across congregations today, you know, I don't see unhealthy congregations. I see people becoming more and more like Jesus because they're not getting hung up on the world's systems and ideologies and their trappings. Think about churches. Think about churches in general, your big churches, denominations. You know, they're bowing down to America. They're bowing down to the political correctness of America. They're bowing down to the unbiblical ideology of the world. Guess what? Homosexuality is not just an alternative lifestyle. It's a sin. And I'm going to call it that. Neither is extramarital affairs nor any other sexual sin, by the way. 1 Corinthians 6.18 tells us, Flee sexual immorality, for every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. How is this sin against your own body? Well, in Genesis, we're told that the two shall become one body. Your sin in this arena 
and you drag your spouse down with you because you're disconnecting from your spouse. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. That's not how God has designed marriage. And to sin here breaks your covenant of marriage and blows apart your own body. You are not your own. Did you know that? 1 Corinthians 7.4 says this, The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except for consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. And guess what else? Guess what else? That That the church seems to be bowing down today. Guess what? There is only... Two genders. There is male and there is female. As it is written in scripture, Genesis 5-2, he created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. No, you were not born in the wrong body. You should not mutilate your body by cutting off perfectly healthy parts. 1 Corinthians 6-19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You wouldn't know it, but there's a very large group of detransitioners now that wish that they had never done what they did, wish that they had never lopped off body parts. And why do we not hear about them? Because the world doesn't want you to know they exist. And when I think about all of this, I think that God has to abandon churches like that, that bow down to this correctness, this garbage. Why? Because it's evil. It's not how God created things. It's evil to throw out the biblical worldview and push the agenda of the world. These things ought not to be so in the churches. But they are, and so many of them. And so many of them. But not here. You know why? Because we preach the gospel. We preach the word of God. And that brings us to number two. When you're witnessing to people, don't worry about being controversial. Don't worry about controversy. Guess what? It's going to happen. John 7, 10 through 13 says, But after his brothers left for the festival... Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival, and they kept asking if anyone had seen him. And there was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argued, he's a good man. But others said, he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. So Jesus follows his brothers in secret to the festival. Now, why would he do this? Remember that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. And we call that a big churchy word called the hypostatic union. I believe he went because he was curious as to what was being said. Don't you? Wouldn't you be? Wonder what's going on. Now, look at this. You got the religious leaders actively searching for him and all the people arguing about whether he's for real or a fraud and and no one's going to speak openly and favorably because they're afraid of the ruling elite who don't look don't like him very much 
Throughout history, there is no more controversial subject, no more controversial person than Jesus. You know why? Because your spirituality and indeed your immortal spirit is tied to what you do with Jesus for all eternity. So you have people who want to denigrate, who want to destroy the very thought of Jesus in order to alleviate their own consciences so that they don't feel bad about their sins. So they deny the deity of Christ in their minds and, and so that they don't have to be held accountable, at least they think, so that they don't have to be held accountable to anyone but themselves, at least that's how they think. But that doesn't work because deep down they know the truth. And when push comes to shove, every knee will bow and every tongue confess Jesus is Lord. Now you can do it now or you can do it later. But if you wait until later, it's going to be too late to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And at that point, your eternal destination is already decided and you're on your way to hell. That's a hard thing to hear, but it's true. Philippians 2.10 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Don't let the fact that Jesus is controversial stop you in your mission. And what is your mission? That is to preach the gospel to all the world. Matthew 28, 16 says that the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. So he's risen from the grave and they've gone away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You know, I was out with a friend witnessing once, and we pulled up to this house, and this guy comes out, right? And uh, we were just, you know, Baptists dressed in jeans uh, and a shirt. We're, we're not like the Jehovah's Witnesses that have to have suits and all that stuff. So we're, in the, we're walking up to his door, and he's coming out. And he takes one look at us, and I, we say, hey, we're, we're from the Baptist church down the street. And he goes, I'm good. Puts his thumb out. I'm good. Jumps in his car and runs. So, you know what our response was? We looked at each other and we said, well, I hope he is. And we went on to the next house. That was our response. It didn't deter us in the least. And that's how you got to be with Jesus. Don't water down the gospel to make it more palatable, but preach and share the gospel anyway. If somebody says, I'm good, and blows you off, you go to the next person. If somebody wants to yell at you, cuss at you, and believe me, I've had it happen, you let them finish their piece, and usually you say, are you done now? Let me tell you about Jesus. That don't go over well. That's like a ton of bricks. Sometimes they'll just stop and be like, huh, 
they took it and they're still here. You'd be surprised how often that happens. Number three, don't let people stop you from your witness. People will try to stop you. Don't let them. Don't let them. John 7, 14. Then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. And the people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? So Jesus told them, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. And anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obey it. In fact, you're trying to kill me. And the crowd replied, you're demon possessed. Who's trying to kill you? And Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath and you were amazed. But you work on the Sabbath too when you obey Moses' law of circumcision. Actually, this tradition of circumcision began with the patriarchs long before the law of Moses. For if the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and you do it so as to not break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Jesus was undeterred by the people and the religious folks. He goes up to the temple and he begins to teach. And all the people who are astounded as he hadn't been to the best Jewish schools and trained to teach the scriptures. He didn't enroll in a Southern Baptist theological seminary. He just went and taught the scriptures. You know why? Because he's Jesus. He teaches that which he hears from the Father directly. John seven eighteen told us, He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. I love that verse. It's very simple, yet gives such a deep wisdom at the same time. You ever met someone and everything they talk about is all about them? They claim to be a Christian, but you wouldn't know it for how self-centered they are. Don't point at anybody in here, please. I don't want to know. Some of y'all get that joke on the way home. You ever heard of a preacher who will open from the Bible and then speak only about his life and what's going on with him and his kids and how wonderful his life is? And I'm not talking about illustrations. I'm talking about the whole sermon has nothing to do with the Scripture and everything to do with self-centeredness. Well, that's one way you can tell if their message is from God, by the way, or from themselves. Because Jesus said he didn't speak of himself. He spoke from what God gave him. John seven nineteen. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? And the people answered and said, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. And if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Jesus tells them that they don't keep the law of Moses, no matter how much they think that they are. 
Jesus points out their hypocrisy about being mad at him for healing a man on the Sabbath, yet they do the works of God on the Sabbath too, and it's completely acceptable to them. You know what it comes down to? It comes down to the political climate of their day. It comes down to politics. The elites didn't like Jesus, so they nitpicked him to death. And when they themselves did the same things, just in a different setting. You ever work in a place like that? They nitpick a person so they, can't, so they can get rid of them because they weren't a part of their clique? The in crowd? When this happens to you because of Jesus, your answer should be, uh, so what? I follow Jesus, and what is the problem with that? What's the problem? As an example, illustration, I worked in the cable industry for seven and a half years, and when I got there, there was no one who was a born-again Christian, and I prayed all the time for God to bring Christians in the door and for conversions to happen. I got picked on all the time in the beginning for my belief in Christ. I was overt with my faith, maybe a little too much, and guess what? Guess what? You want to hear this? I still am. I get blamed all the time by students. You know, every time I say something, you relate it to Jesus. Well, I'm sorry, that's how my mind works. That's how it works. You know what happened? By the time I left that shop, there was a bunch of Christians working there. There was a bunch of them. My response about being nitpicked initially was, okay, let's pray. (laughs) And at the time, I just endured it. But looking back, I could see how God used the entire situation for his good. Not mine, his. His good. So you know what that tells us? Don't stop witnessing due to ideologies. Don't stop witnessing due to people's thoughts. Don't stop witnessing just because Jesus is controversial. And don't stop witnessing because people get mad at you. They get angry at you. They don't want to hear from you no more. Don't stop witnessing. You keep giving the gospel in every way. Physically, as you live, and as you speak, And as you walk, give the gospel. Don't stop witnessing. As the ladies come.